Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yes, my mum says she likes my head knob when that music's playing. Southern River Band, they're the boys out of uh, out of Thornley. The Shelter Footy Cast live from Perth. We're back in Perth, not in Melbourne anymore. Had a couple of shows there with Nigel Carmody. It was a great city in the pseudo Mark Reddings. Well, the real man's here himself now. Will Scope Mark Reddings with you. G'day, mate. G'day, Scope. Great to have you back and great to be back on the show after being axed, I thought, unfairly <laughs> for what was a pretty solid uh, month leading into it, but you thought I needed to be managed given my age and uh, you did it beautifully, just uh, put me on the sidelines and here we are back uh, to discuss an amazing round of footy. Yeah, it has been an amazing round, but I will say, Skeet, uh, getting axed when you don't think you should be, I know plenty <laughs> about that. It sounded like words coming out of my mouth to Adam Simpson throughout my career, but we continue on. You're back, mate. You've gone back Back to the waffle, you're back in the big big boy's chair. So let's see if you can keep your spot for the rest of the season. Uh, we do things uh, West Australian over here at the Shelter Footy Cast. We get through West Coast, Fremantle. Um, you can follow us on socials, Shelter Footy Cast, or send us an email if you like. We'd love to hear your footy stories, footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. You can find all of our stuff over at shelterbrewing.com.au. They had a bit of an event over at Shelter, Belters with Shelter. I think it went quite well. Raging success, I'm told. Uh, fantastic. And hopefully that's the start of a little tradition building for the, the team down there. I think we need to push for some more Perth-based events. And I believe there may be something in the works for the Shelter footy cast. I can't tell you when it's going to be. I haven't even spoken to you about it, Mark Reddings. But I believe there could be something in the works right here in Perth. Well, to say I need a drink is uh, beyond the realms. Day 29. Oh. And uh, I'm going okay. I'm not, not too bad. In fact, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm looking forward to having one of these, but the, the clarity, uh, everything just seems cleaner. My wife looks more beautiful. The food tastes better. You just have a nice feeling when you're sober, but also my wife says I'm extremely boring. <laughs> And that's all we've got time for on the show today. Mark Reddings, extremely boring. You heard it here first. Shelter, they're down in Bustledon. Get down and support them. Now, let's get straight into it. Big moment of the round. Not flag mantle, draw mantle. Yeah, well, it's arguably the biggest moment of the round, but it was drama on Friday night at Marvel. And, yeah, the, the last quarter, look, if you're taking a neutral position, you probably think Fremantle would 
be Fuck. happy to take the two points. That being said, the first half of that last quarter, inside 50 after inside 50, it just, unfortunately, they couldn't get the connectivity with their mids and their forwards, which probably cost them any chance of building a buffer. We'll get into the game a little bit, but just on these big moments, I mean, what a round of footy it was. It was probably you know, arguably the best round of footy for the year, yep. some close games, um, you know, kicks half to the siren, incredible stuff. I want to ask you about extra time. So with the draw, and keep in mind, the Collingwood game, oh, no, it was two points down. It, it was... It was a potential to be a draw, but wasn't. But the Fremantle game's a draw. Should we have extra time in the normal season? Because grand final comes around, we have extra time. Where do you sit on it? Well, the, the same words came out of every player and coach at the end of that match. It's an empty, weird feeling. Well, there's one way to change that, and that is to, just like the the final, grand final time, uh, which was, a, you know, I was there in 2010 when there was a drawn grand final between St Kilda and Collingwood. And it was a disaster because everyone felt flat. You went back to the pub afterwards. No one was celebrating. You'd rather lose in many ways and have to come back another week, yeah. um, given all the permutations of Melbourne particularly. So that was why the, the, the draws were outlawed in finals and grand finals primarily. And that's been a, a good decision, I think. I mean, finals have been um, extra time for a while, but grand finals now included in, in the the extra time position, and I've got really no reason to think it wouldn't work in the home and away season. I know it's another change to the rules, but I'm talking from drama, five minutes each way at the end of what we saw Friday night. You don't think that would keep some eyeballs watching the TV? It's not like it happens every weekend either. I, I think you thought I was going to take the affirmative for mm. keeping the draws. Let's get rid of the draw. Let's just be. Well, I don't. I, what, is it, I, what purpose does it serve? I'm very good at, at being argumentative and finding, you know, devil's advocate. I, I, what What is the actual purpose? What, what 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 would be the argument if I was pro draw? What would I say? What's it? Tradition is yeah, that it? Don't change the rules. Uh, it's worked wow. for X number of years. Well, now. well we, 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 don't change the rules. Not the thing the AFL stands by. They tra- change rules on the regular. I saw a tackle on Ginnivan on the weekend. Ripped his head off. What, 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 what is going on with that rule change? We'll get into that a little bit. But I think extra time needs to come in. Don't know how it looks. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, a golden point type situation. No. Five that, each way. Yeah, five minutes each way, just like they do in finals. Yeah, exactly. Right? Look, the, only, the counter argument to what you've just said and agree with me is that it happens so infrequently that maybe live with it. Look, it's not going to make or break oh, correct. a season. But so let's let's have a look at the extra time. Yeah, let's let's try it out. Again, I just think it would only add to the drama of what happened on Friday night. Um, this is a moment that happened. I'm not sure if it's a big moment, it's, but a bit of a big topic is Luke Jackson. Um, it, it's building momentum that he's coming to the Fremantle Dockers. Apparently, he's bought a house here in Western Australia. I may add to that house buying thing. Tim English actually bought a house right before he signed with the Western Bulldogs. So I personally wouldn't read too much into that. He's from here, so maybe he just likes his real estate. I don't know. Yeah, but the bang banging of the drums is too loud uh, yeah. to suggest that he's not coming home. My only concern for Fremantle, and this is, look, if they get him and it works out, uh, kudos to them, but just there's alarm bells ringing. Let's hope the numbers that we're hearing aren't as high and what they have to give up because they're tracking really well, and they've done it through – Yep. Not by big trades. They've done it through getting uh, quality draft picks and making them work. So not saying buy, beware with Luke Jackson, but I don't know whether he's a ruckman. I'm not sure whether he's a forward. Uh, just have to – I'd like to see a bit more of him before you're throwing that type of dollars, if that's the case. 
you know, if you look at him as a player, and and please don't, well, it's going to be recorded for all to see here. He, he could be one of the greats, right? And I'm not saying he can't do that. As a what though? But that that's my question: is what what, what is is he? Just a better Rory Lobb. You know, Rory Lobb plays in the ruck. He, we're seeing this year Rory Lobb put it, took together a great season for the Fremantle Dockers. Um, he hasn't had the, uh, the the junior up, you know, up talk that uh, Jackson's experienced this season. And so he's won a premiership in his first year and he's played well this year. But he's not, I don't know, he's not uh, this powering Dominant. key forward that dominates games. But neither was Harry Mackay. Neither was Charlie Kernow. They have to go through and build it. He's only in his second year of footy, isn't he? Or third? Might be his third. But, uh, but he's might, still just a young guy. So we don't know what he's going to be. That's the actual, that's the hard thing. We don't know what he's going to be. And if you're going to go and spit out a seven-year contract and a million dollars a year on someone you, you don't know what he's going to be, I, I just think it's a, I agree with it's a you. risk. It is, considering what Fremantle have done in the last five, six, seven years. Which it? is working. Yeah. Uh, and look, yeah. Luke Jackson, just from what I've seen, is not a natural forward. He's more... Naturally inclined to be really good in the ruck. Now, whether that's where he develops, the only issue with that is if Sean Darcy stays, stays sound, then he's your man moving forward. So I'm just interested to hear what Peter Bell and others are thinking. Look, we're only assuming that Fremantle are the team that's into him big time, and that's pretty much common knowledge. Do you think it's West Coast? Not. I haven't heard anything about Rory West Coast, but look, put, put it this way. He hasn't signed, and we heard this this time last year when Adam Chera hadn't signed, you're thinking, he's Gonski. Yes. And it turned out to be the case. So um, I think he's coming home. That just seems to be the, the feel. But it would make more sense from a football perspective. West Coast. For him to go to West Coast, correct? Nick Nananui's aging. They don't have a Ruckman. You know, Bailey Williams is you know, trying to turn himself into one, but I don't think he's quite one as well. Luke Jackson would play in the Ruck for West Coast next year, number one. And Nick Nat would sit in the forward line, maybe. So it would make more sense for him to go to West Coast. Mm. Just don't know if he will. Yeah. Uh, why would you leave Melbourne and go for West Coast? Well, West Coast is a big, big club, big organisation. It's potential. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll get into West Coast and Fremantle. Maybe we switch things up to go to West Coast first after a bit of chat about Fremantle there. St Kilda defeat West Coast by 28 points yesterday. You called that game. How did you see it? Yeah, look, the Eagles, uh, the only problem is with their performances. We saw against Carlton, they were terrible in the first quarter, terrible in the last. Yep. They were pretty good in the first quarter yesterday. I mean, they had some inside 50s, which didn't happen against the Blues at home. Uh, but their last term, they really fell away. It's their inconsistency in quarters, which is costing them, and you know, in essence, a five-goal loss in the end. So um, I thought there were some good signs. I mean, Tom Barris having another good Performance, good see a great battle with Max King. Is he, Who, is he starting to edge towards best and fairest? John Walsall medal. Yeah, I, I, I gather so. I mean, Jack Redden's probably sneaking under the radar a bit. Yeah, yeah. So there's look, it's one. It's a pretty difficult year. To, Tim Kelly, we'll touch on him. Just four touches. Can you tell me? Can you t- let's talk about that now? Can you tell me how that how that happened? I didn't see a lot of the game. I was actually in transit from Melbourne. We had a corked thigh, I think it was, after the Hawthorne game. So a lighter week on the track. But as Adam Simpson said after the game, he was just beaten by his opponent. So therefore, Windhager. Yeah, yeah, Windhager. Oh. Oh. Excuse I just thought I put the European. I've got no idea whether it's Windhager or Windcheater, to be honest with you. But uh, Windhager, as I like to call him, uh, he was good. Number seventeen. Um, is guy called was it Rod Keogh? There's a guy called Rod Keogh. I think wore seventeen for St Kilda at one stage. Former Demon. Uh, anyway, he was good. Tim Kelly, not so. He had a down day. Adam Simpson admitted that. For, for, for t- sorry, I, and I'm uh, I'm not you know I'm not one to bag mm-hmm. players. Four touches for Tim Kelly is more, more than a bad day. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's that's shut out, shut out areas. He had two kicks. 
Yeah. He's their best midfielder. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. And to the fact that he was uh, held to that level, I tend to think there was something not quite right physically okay. with him. But uh, Adam Simpson refused to discuss that or refused to entertain that. Jack Steele, 40 touches, mm. 10 marks, 8 tackles. Um, and look, it was interesting to watch uh, the battle of the special case. Kennedy had a couple of goals. King was, as I say, a great duel with, with Barris. And end of the day, uh, just the Saints, they're small forwards. And let's go to Dan Butler. Yeah, He was outstanding, five goals. The Eagles didn't have someone of that ilk to... To, to trouble the Saints' defence. And that's probably been a gap in the Eagles' list for a little while. Now Brad Shepard steps away and they don't have someone to go and shut down a player. They've got they've got rebounding defenders. Shannon Hearn's never been a shutdown uh, player. Jermaine Jones has been spending time back there, but they don't have someone to, to go to that. And that's probably been the case for you know, a long period of time. So to see Butler kick five, that's great. I agree. The, the duel between King and Barras, I mean, they're, you know, Barras has got, uh, some years on King now. He's becoming a real mature senior player. Um, uh, it, it sort of gets floated around. We actually spoke to him on back chat about it a little bit about the ca- captaincy side of things. I'm not sure how long Luke Shuey continues in that role um, no, for no other reason other than there will come a time that uh, it's time to hand that realm over. I think Tom Barras is probably at the top of the table at the moment for the next captain of the West Coast Eagles. Do you agree? Yeah, look, he's really well-spoken, Liam Duggan also. In terms of how they handle themselves, yep. their uh, seniority and their permanency in the side is important, which those two other candidates will have. So let me just touch on a couple of really nice moments for the Eagles. Yep. Jai Cully, Josh Rotham both kicked their first goals in AFL footy, which is pretty rare, two players on the one day from yep. the same team do just that. Uh, Josh Rotham, now we saw him as a ruckman, Pinching Ruckman in a waffle game between West Coast and Subiaco at Optus Stadium a few weeks ago. And that uh, led us to think, what Simo got hatched here? And it yeah. turned to reality yesterday. He was outstanding in that game of the waffle as well. If you can remember, he was winning the ruck hit outs. He wasn't just running around as sort of that extra midfielder that you know Richmond have done in the past. He was actually rucking, and which is extraordinary. He's, he's only 193, I reckon, Josh Rotham. He's a bit undersized for a key position player. Kick, tick two, uh, kick two goals. Uh, he, he knows he's a backman at heart as well. So we did speak to him after that game, if you remember, Skeet. Yep. And, I, and I asked, is this going to become you know, a string to your bow? Have you been training a lot in the ruck? And he said, no, um, I'm a backman and I'm just doing this well. Maybe yeah, not. I, well, I think you have to be open-minded in his situation because yep. moving forward, uh, if that's where he can fulfil a role and push forward, he's a beautiful kick. And that's what we saw yesterday. Two goals, looked really good. So, And he's got a good spring, as we've seen. He's got a good spring. He, he got beaten by Marshall a few times for obvious reasons. Yeah. But no, he's competitive. I don't mind that. And look, they, you know, Bailey Williams was, was good, did some nice things yesterday. Good contest with Marshall. But Rotham won to look at. So too, Jai Cully, first time AFL level I've seen him live. Against Hawthorne, 11 tackles, which shows you something was missing in West Coast DNA this year. And, and they're... Their attack on the footy and the man has been clearly something that's worried them. And he's given us, as, a, as footy fans, something to look at. Yeah, it's, yeah, and he comes in, does it again. I think he had seven clearances in that Hawthorne game and he had some clearances again like yesterday. So they'll be happy with that. There is certainly more positive to negative than West Coast, but another loss. Let's get into the Fremantle game. Yep. Big game against Richmond. It was Friday night footy. Uh, everyone watching, big lights. And a draw. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, I agree with you. I think there should have been extra time. Fremantle, in the end, lucky to get away with it. I think um, uh, they had a couple of moments. Uh, Bolter, uh, one, how he doesn't score. But two, Frederick actually 
smothering that. I pointed it out on social media. Not enough credit was given to how heads up that play was. To, to lay a smother uh, in any part of the ground is a hard skill. It is hard. You don't see it enough in AFL footy. He has come in from 20 metres away off a whistle that he didn't know was coming and smothered it. He was unlucky not to gather it and run down the other end and kick a goal himself. But I thought that was a huge moment. And, you know, Richmond score 97% of the time from a set shot from that from Bolter. Um, they had it in their back 50, in their forward 50 for the last three minutes of the game. and They couldn't score, couldn't scrap it over. So um, it's sort of a bit of a, well, Fremantle saved it, but they'll be happy with the two points, I think. Didn't think they played that badly, to be honest with no. you. And I thought they really got sit out. It's just their, you know, look, We've talked about it for a while now, but their forward line, question mark, lob wasn't there, may not be there this week. They had 50 inside 50s. That gives you enough looks, doesn't it? Yeah. To, to be in a low-scoring game, to be very competitive. So, And even in the last quarter, the first half of that term, they were peppering inside 50. Griffin Logue had a couple of half chances. Uh, they just couldn't quite stretch the, the Richmond defence. And look, Tigers were missing Dusty, Lynch, two superstars. Yeah. I think they probably get across the line in that circumstance. But, no, there's a bit to like about Freer, but their form has definitely tapered. I think they've, uh, was it, won five, lost five of their past nine, or they've, they've certainly had a, a weaker second half of the season than yes. their first. So, uh, a bit to be concerned with there. And if you're a Tiger supporter, gee whiz, you'd be thinking to yourself, North Melbourne, Gold Coast Suns, now Fremantle, uh, they should be almost top four. What could have been? They were six and four. They've gone three and four, draw, since losses by six points, three points, two points, four points, and the draw. That could be top two. So there's five five wins that, you know, another kick either way and and they get it done. So you could see that in Damien Harbick post-game. Um, he's pretty good at keeping his cards close to his chest and he's been this vulnerable, honest coach that we've, you know, all grown to love and respect. Three flags do that, don't they? Correct. But the reason he's done that is because of changing his persona. But... I reckon you could see the edge that he just knew that, like another, like I don't know how many of these games we can take because they're only fighting for eighth now. They can't make any other position. No, but you still don't want to play them in the first week. I mean, for that reason. Spin. For that reason, yeah. I mean, the goal kicking against North terrible. They're uh, two, shall we say, the footy gods just not smiling on them in the the last moments of that one. But end of the day, Nat Fife is out, garden variety hamstring, three weeks. Uh, that's that's done and dusted. Uh, whether Rory Lobb returns Friday night, look. Top four's not beyond the realm still for Fremantle. I know we'll touch on Collingwood shortly with the drama at the MCG, but Fremantle, I think, are still playing good enough football to test Melbourne very much so on Friday night. Very good. Uh, just so you know, um, <laughs> Nigel Carmody stepped into you for your, for your tipping. He tipped Freo, so we'll give him a point there. I would have tipped Freo as well. And he picked the Saints. I picked West Coast. Yeah we'll, get, yeah, we'll get that. You see, that is just how. What more base? I know St Kilda can be fake news, but uh, no. I got uh, I got some word that uh, the windsock was going to go to uh, Tim Kelly. Well, anyway. the Ronaldo was going to play for uh, the Eagles on Sunday. You are with Mark Reddings, Will Scovitt on the Shelter Footycast. So Cristiano Ronaldo for West Coast. We get into the rest of the round. Hawthorne defeat North Melbourne by 46 points. Bit of a bloodbath. Uh, I think last week for North Melbourne was a bit of an uh, aberration and we'll probably continue to see these sorts of performances going forward. Yeah, which uh, is reality, unfortunately, for North. Had great performance against Richmond. Uh, Lee Adams, unfortunately, couldn't get them up. They were, they were gone 
at quarter time. Yeah, let's be honest. And Jack Gunston, first game back since uh, the passing of his father, so he was instrumental. Five goals for him. Uh, John Newcomb, look, ordinarily he's look, one of the better young players in the competition, which he still is. But when you're comparing him to the Nick Dacos's of the world, he's two and thirty, two goals and thirty touches. Um, yeah, North uh, limping to the end of the season. It's all about the coach, who they choose from here on. Yeah, it is. Um, we're lucky enough to sit down with Sam Mitchell over in Melbourne and uh, probably one of the biggest takeaways, it was a great interview, a lot of honesty from Sam, was around his coaching philosophy and and coaching in general that um, you, you really, as a coach and as a new head coach, you've got to put all of your chips into how you want to play and how you want to coach the team and how you want to be seen. And, and Hawthorne have done that, but he said, look, that it might not work. Uh, and, you know, in the next two or three years, it's going to, you know, whether or not he's made the right calls in terms of who's on his list, how they're playing, their game style, um, and, and the, you know, collective buy-in from his players is, is going to dictate his success as a coach. But he's got his chips in in the way that they want to play, which is an aggressive attacking style of football. And he's doing that because of the players he has. And a guy like John Newcomb, you know, he, he's, he's no superstar because he wasn't on a list um, two years ago, but he's building himself into an absolute star. You know, he wasn't a high-range draft pick. But, you know, guys like that, Sam Mitchell will continue to unearth. And I think they've got something there at the Hawks. I know they haven't been consistent this year, but I think it'll be interesting to see how they go for the next part of the year. Sydney defeat Adelaide by 33 points. Both tipped the Swans. Well done, Skeet. Good job. Sydney, uh, too good for Adelaide in the end. They absolutely jumped them in the first quarter. Something like nine, nine goals to two in the first one. Adelaide have done that a bit this year. They competitive for most of the game, but the first quarter let them down and they're constantly behind the eight ball. Um, Sydney, my team. Um, they're, they're my team. They're my team. And they've, they've got a good run home, yeah. uh, Scully, which puts them not just top four. They, they can they can really sneak up that table in the back month of the year. I've always said their best footy um, should challenge most. And, but you have to play your best footy, clearly, right? And so uh, Melbourne, are they playing their best footy at the moment? No. No. Um, Geelong probably are, but they go pretty close to a Port Adelaide side who's just been that, you know, around the mark since their first, you know, zero and five side. Um, Geelong maybe. Brisbane, you know, they get challenged by Gold Coast on the weekend. I think Sydney's right up there with one of the best sides in the competition right now. I think they're in third in the pecking order. Yeah, okay. I still think Geelong clearly at the moment, just as we speak. I've still got Melbourne second. And then I think Sydney deserves my concern with Brisbane. We'll get to them later, but MCG they just have real concern. They haven't won there for about eight years, so yeah, that's not ideal when the grand final will be played. There. <laughs> uh, but Sydney, you're right. Uh, they were terrific. Nine goals to two. Game effectively over. And the Crows. I'm not sure their rebuilds on track. That yeah. I mean, put it this way: they've been hovering down this part of the table and these sorts of performances for, for some time now. Port Adelaide and Hawthorne next to each other. Like, who who would you say has more promise going forward? Port Adelaide and Hawthorne? Put, um, oh, Port Adelaide. Uh, put, Sorry. Put Adelaide. <laughs> and, yeah, very good. Yeah, Adelaide v Hawthorne in terms of... Oh, no, Hawthorne. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a lot more bullish on Hawthorne. From what, what I've seen this year, Sam Mitchell, I just think there's a... You know, they're going to make mistakes. and They've had some drubbings, but I, there's a bit more bit more sparkle about them, about the way they play their footy bravado than, than Adelaide to me. Yeah, I'm not sure that their rebuild's on track. Rory Laird, who was a halfback flanker for a lot, lot of his career, has turned himself into one of these stars of the competition. He has 38 touches again, a goal, six tackles, 848 metres gained. He, he is a star. He's a bona fide midfield star now, and he was a back flanker. Absolutely. I think last week or the week before, 20 tackles or something ridiculous. So he's doing it all, but he's got not many... If his mate's coming along for the ride, 
Um, and yeah, I, I just I'd like to see more from from Adelaide. Look, they they beat Port Adelaide early in the season. They've had some nice moments, but not much continuity, which shows you why they're down the bottom or near Ge- the bottom. Geelong defeat Port Adelaide by twelve. Both tipped Geelong. A couple of late goals to Big Tomahawk saved us both there in the tipping ranks. Geelong's now won nine in a row, the same as the Collingwood Magpies, I believe. That's nine in a yep, row. Yep, that's correct. So Geelong. This is a game that there would have been a difficult one to win. Port Adelaide, everything to play for. They're in, you know, fighting. They're just fighting for those that last eighth spot. So they had a lot to gain. Geelong, everything to lose, but were able to get it done in a really tight game. This was one of those games of the round that, um, you know, the Frio game, the Collingwood game, this game, even the Brisbane Gold Coast game, tight ones that are won by moments in games. And Tom Hawkins, who's been doing it for such a long time, steps up and kicks two late goals to win the game. Yeah, and we've seen it with Collingwood. We've seen it with Geelong at the weekend. It's hard to keep winning consistently week after week after week, and up to nine now. Um, you just wonder whether whether it's Chris Scott or, or Craig McRae. I think, gee, wouldn't, before the finals, wouldn't hurt us to drop one, but by the same token, Collingwood can't afford to if they're trying to push for and stay in the top four, and Geelong want to wrap up uh, the minor premiership. But what, what I've seen from Geelong this year, they have got... The, the old stages and the, the, the older heads, but they've also got some speed, I think, which is complementing them and turning and putting a lot of egg on the faces of critics around the media circles as to, and including, I guess, both of us thought yep. they'd be yep. bottom of the eight, maybe sliding below that. I mean, hand up, we're, we're both in that, in that boat. I think Port Adelaide with this loss slides out of contention yep. along with the Gold Coast Suns. 32 points. They're two games out of the eight now. They have to get to 40 points plus percentage. They're done. Zero and five. That's what they were at the start of the year. Yep. That's what's cost them playing finals. No question in my mind. Uh, big mark by Georgiades. She had some cracking grabs at the weekend. Yep. And I reckon three or four marks of the year's contenders. So, yeah, good win to Geelong. Always tough to win in Adelaide against Port. So, they'll... Uh, Bank those points and move on. Geelong's next four, last four, Bulldogs, St Kilda, Gold Coast, West Coast. Of those four, which one? There's only one they can lose, I would have thought. Bulldogs. Yeah. Gold Coast, a challenge? Gold Coast. Away. Away. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so because with Gold Coast out of content, like Geelong now know that they, I mean, you're right though, do you want to win 13 in a row? This is as as a player. How does it feel going into a final? How would it feel going having won, say, 13 in a row into a finals campaign. Uh, you would never hear this out of the Geelong camp, but as a player, I think they would be pretty happy to lose one. Yeah, still thir- finish top two. Well, because 13, you, you, what, you, look, of course, you're going to be confident. We're better than everyone else, and that's how you run. But you're also a human being. You are waiting to fall over. You know the loss is going to come. You know, Melbourne was 17 in a row. They, they knew they were going to lose. They're not going to be undefeated forever. So you hope that if you do go in 13 and 0 that that maintains it for three more. <laughs> you know, you can get to 16 and zero. Otherwise, it, it does add a bit of pressure, doesn't it? I think I think it does. So it will be, will be interesting to see how that goes. Brisbane defeat Gold Coast by 17 points. It was a tighter game than people would have thought. I thought Gold Coast was going to win. I picked the Gold Coast Sun. Yeah, don't. Just please don't look at me like what that. What reason? What basis? It's just the basis of every other tip I ever do. It's all luck, mate. <laughs> oh, no, there's some there's some knowledge no. here. Brisbane's at the Gabba are almost unbeatable. <clears throat> well, they are, and I mean, Gold Coast go pretty close to beating them. I, I just felt um, it was it was their last chance to play play finals. You know, Stewie Dew would have had that drummed into them. 
you know, you need to win to play final. So it was a huge game for them, and I thought they might have got themselves up. Clearly, they don't give an absolute shit about what Will's going through picks <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> they go down, a tight Q clash, the Q clash. Yeah, and uh, Jared Witt's 50 hitouts, uh, that's a huge return for him. Um, uh, unfortunately for Brisbane, Daniel Rich goes out again, this time with concussion, so that's a blow. Uh, and the young Debbie John Holland's kicked two for the Suns. But at the end of the day, they were trailing at three-quarter time Brisbane, but just, I think, you know, with the likes of, of Charlie Cameron just getting humming in that, that last quarter, um, Danaher with three, uh, they did enough. They're, I wouldn't say they're, they're flying Brisbane by any means. Jared Witt, All-Australian Ruckman which I called a long time ago. You did? And I, I can still hear your laughter. Jared Witt. He's, well, he has continued to... He'll be an All-Australian Ruckman. So tell us if there are two or three... There'll only be two Ruckman named in the All-Australian team. I mean, Tim, yes. Tim, Tim English would have been, but he's been injured a lot. I mean, Max Gorn will, will probably... Would get there by reputation yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he, that's a thing. Yep, Absolutely. You know. And, and, and he still had a good season. So Wits gets in ahead head of Darcy at the moment? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and I, I realise Fremantle's had a better year than the Gold Coast Suns, but I mean, ordinarily that wouldn't that shouldn't come into too much of a discussion. Do you think it's a numbers game in, in, in the ruck or, or influence, not so much? Influence. Yep. I think without him, Gold Coast don't win games of football. And Darcy, arguably... He's an important player at Fremantle Dockers, but we saw Lloyd Meek step in and win games with him. Rory Lobb's been able to do the same thing. So I just think in terms of his team's importance, he's captain of the side. I think which is an all-Australian Ruckman, and he does it again. 50 hit-outs, big, big game. Western Bulldogs defeat Melbourne by 10 points. Great game. Huge upset, mm. I think. Oh, I wouldn't say huge. Bulldogs were in, in reasonable form heading into it. I reckon, yeah, but I reckon we both wrote. The Bulldogs off it. Hang on, two weeks ago you said to me they're on the move. I think they're they're a team that's that's got some momentum. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I did. But I also reckon we wrote them off, did we not? I, I did. You might not. Yeah, no. I think I was just, actually trying to throw myself into the barrel with you just then. I'm happy to see you flounder around in there by yourself. You, no, you you wrote them off. Yeah, I still don't think they can win it. But I'll tell you what, the midfield and look, the, the story is uh, Eugle Hagen and yeah. Jamara uh, kicking five, including the sealer, the number one pick. Um, I might add the first game that he's played with Norton and Bruce. Uh, you know, he's like the third string. He doesn't get the best defender. He doesn't get the second best defender. He gets the third best defender. And as a young, up-and-coming key forward, that's what he should be getting. Tom Hawkins used to cop that back in, back in the day, 2007. He had guys like Nathan Ablett was playing at the time. He had, he had uh, Brad Ottens there as well. So Tom Hawkins would get the third best. As a young key forward... That's what you need, and you see you see what's on show. He is better than ninety nine percent of the community at football. It's just when he gets on the very best defenders, he looks a bit. You know, I don't know where he sits. Well, we'll see where he sits. He kicks five goals in a big game for the footy club. Yeah, great result for the Bulldogs. They're behind, but their last quarter surge was outstanding. Just quickly, a bit of a, a side note, but if they've got those three forwards as you mentioned, why the heck? Would they be into Rory Lobb as they reportedly are? Is that what? Is that what? Is well, the Western Bulldogs are the team that Lobb. Is supposedly being courted by now. If you've got Norton, you've got Bruce, you've got uh, Tim English Eugle in the right, and then you've got Tim English in the right. I, I just don't see is that why. Oh, Tim English is signed, yeah. but, not, but not just that. He, yeah, I mean, where do you play Lob next year if he's if he goes to the Bulldogs? He's going in the back line, is he? Or maybe Norton's going to the back line. Either way, it just seems really strange that uh, that's the club associated with Rory Lob. But uh, kudos to the Bulldogs, and uh, yeah, they're. 
they're a team again, a bit like Richmond. They're they're very dangerous. They're one of those sides. Should they make? And they've got some momentum. A bit of. And you mentioned this a few weeks ago about uh, twenty sixteen when they they built and built late in the season and and twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. To there, they didn't start well. We spoke to Josh Dunkley over in Melbourne. Uh, you know, I would just say beautiful man. His eyes are just. I kept getting lost in his eyes. I, <laughs> seriously. I'm serious. Josh Dunkley, my new favourite player. Not that there's anything wrong with it, no, as uh, Jerry Seinfeld once said. Absolutely not. I'm very much pro Josh Dunkley. He spoke about, though, uh, their mindset as a group is always about playing well in September. Right? You don't you don't have to have the best season to win a grand final. You, you really don't. You just have to have the best September. You just have to play well in finals. So they just need to get themselves there. Um get themselves in decent shape injury-wise, and I think they can challenge anyone in the competition. Melbourne, are they your top three their top, top three sides at the moment? i still got them there, but their, their form, a bit like Fremantle, I mean, yeah. I think they've lost... Uh, I've got the numbers in front of me. Their, their last two months... Yeah, they've lost some games of footy. They've lost plenty of games of footy. Um, and look, that loss on the weekend really stung them because they in control for a fair portion of the match. Yeah. And so, yeah, they come to... Perth, take on the Dockers. It's going to be wet and rainy. Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of chinks in that armour. I still think you're right, though. Come September, they, at the MCG, they'll be a, a pretty formidable outfit. Is that Friday night footy this week? Fremantle, Melbourne. That is huge. Just dawned on you? Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> did. I've been in Melbourne. I've been rugged up. I've been Fitzroy. I've been down at the pub with Manny Richardson. I just haven't haven't taken much attention. You, you, strike, me, you strike me as someone who wandered through Fitzroy, that sort of eclectic, sort of right. hippie sort of, uh, just sort of go from pub to pub. Where, where would bar. we find you? You'd Turak, would we? Well, maybe in that sort of middle park, Albert Park area. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah, nice little cocktail bar down there. <laughs> <laughs> Having a shelter, yeah. Uh, very good. Carlton defeat GWS. Uh, we both pick Melbourne, by the way. Uh, Carlton defeat GWS by 36 points. Both pick Carlton. They're, they're rolling still, Carlton. They're yeah, real absolutely. And, and they had to do a bit to shake off the Giants as well. But um, Kurnow... Kicked four, yeah. remains on top of the, the Coleman. Uh, and I talked about the marks. Toby Green took an absolute screamer. Yes. Then Adam Saad, uh, likewise, uh, gave us a, a beautiful moment as well. So two really excellent marks. It's funny how sometimes in uh, one round of footy there can be probably four marks that could win mark of the year. Uh, Dacos, we'll speak about in the next game, kicked a goal of the year. Um, and sometimes you might, if you unluckily take one, that someone in the week takes it before you. It's not as good. So we saw that in this game. Toby Green, um, he's always, as a player, I've watched him. You know, he's never really transitioned into a you know, full-blown midfielder like some people thought. He's certainly not um, sized like a Fritch sort of size. He's smaller than that, but he plays like a key position player. He's always been a, such a strange player for mine because I thought he would transition into... Being a you know almost full time midfielder, yeah, but yeah. he's just a, he's just a forward, and he's a dangerous forward, and that's what he is. And he's one of those players you just want on your side. You just know that with him in there, there are fifteen twenty percent better team in my mind. But uh, Carlton, I think Carlton a bit like Fremantle. If we sat down now and they were honest with themselves, get to the finals, win a final, that's a tick. Uh, that that's not to say that the ceiling is there. Yeah. Do you think it's <clears throat> there's a danger in you know doing too well ahead of your time? You know, so to so say Carlton or a Freeman or they make a prelim, they lose in a prelim and you start getting, you know, you go and start trying to add a Luke Jackson to a Fremantle Dockers when necessarily 
you might need a couple of more years to be ready to really take the top of the Yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a basis of that. I mean, go back to, I think Michael Voss, when he was coaching Brisbane, got them, they were, they were deep into the finals and went and recruited for Vola and they, they thought, okay, let's get the big name just to put the icing on the cake. You're right, sometimes it doesn't work that way. But mind you, last year, who would have thought Melbourne, with the, the window that opened up for them, and they weren't uh, expected to probably play finals last year after their, their previous season, and they took their chance. So if you get there, yeah. you may as well go as deep as you can and, and at the very least give these young players at Fremantle or, or at Carlton or whatever team that's on the up the opportunity to experience finals pressure because, you, as you know, Scully, you can talk about it, you can look at tape, but to experience it and try and soak up what it's like, you have to be out there. Do you think Carlton can play, uh, finish top four? They're, they're only one game behind Collingwood who's sitting in fourth. And Brisbane and Melbourne, um, they can right. They um, can, of course they can. Uh, not their, sure. Their last home. four: Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, Collingwood. No, that's hard. Yeah, I don't think they, they may. Sure. They may lose three of those. Yeah, I think they finish obviously top eight, fifth, sixth, seventh. As I said, uh, we'll, get a final. We'll, we'll know. We'll know if they, you know, if they can challenge those three sides at the back end of the year. We'll know if they're the real deal or not. Absolutely, uh, very good. Now uh, we both pick Carlton there. What about the last game of the round? This is the one everyone was. Uh, watching, of course, Fremantle, uh, uh, sorry, West Coast and uh, St Kilda was the last game of the round, but uh, Collingwood defeat Essendon by four points. I didn't see much of this because I was, as you know, calling the other game at Optus Stadium. I, but I was in the Virgin Lounge in Melbourne watching this one. I had they didn't they didn't serve shelters. I might need to sort that out. Actually. You would have had like a Bloody Mary or something just to soothe the nerves. I could not think of anything worse than drinking a Bloody Mary. Tomato juice is that what that is? Yeah. Oh. You're happy with that? Oh, well, I've had it a couple of times just to... You know when you see the movies they, they have and you think, oh, I'll give this a go. It's like when you see... I'm watching uh, on Stan Billions. Every time they have a spirit, it's just straight whiskey or straight <laughs> bourbon. And I'm going, if I do that, if I drink that or not, I'm cactus by 9pm. <laughs> do you have a couple of celery sticks in the... Bloody, bloody <laughs> I think you're supposed to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Collingwood defeat Essen in, in, a, in a really, really good game of footy. Um uh, and Collingwood's ninth game in the row. Um, I spoke about this earlier. Redmond had a tackle on Ginneman. A couple of big moments in this game. Um, we've heard about it all week. The head-high tackle stuff. You know, AFL's going to be cracking down. Any player that looks to have uh, exacerbated the high contact or thrown an arm up or, you know, dropped the knees, it's not going to be paid. I saw one in the Fremantle game on Grimes paid at the top of the goal square, which should not have been a free kick if we're changing the interpretation. But overall... It's it's such a joke by the AFL. Why are we bringing in more things for AFL umpires to have to interpret? There's too much going on. If if you get caught high, it's a free kick. It's not up to the umpire to decide if the player's trying to draw a free kick or if he's just lowered his body a little bit. If you get high, lazy tackle, free kick. That that solves it pretty quickly, I reckon. Yeah, but I spoke to Dean Margetts a couple of weeks ago about this, or last week, and this rule... No rules changed. There's been no rule change. It's been in there for the last three or four years. But the AFL has wanted to clarify. This is basically the Jack Ginnivan rule. Let's be honest, because he's the guy that's causing angst and opposition players are trying to decapitate him. And, and he's obviously cheeky. And I think he's great for the game, to be honest. And if he gets tackled high, then, then so be it. That's that's on the on the tackler. Uh, so, no, the rule hasn't changed per se, but the AFL has come out and, and said the AFL umpires need to, and fans and media need to be aware of what, 
is in place as we speak. To finish on the game itself, uh, Essendon got themselves uh, a, bit 20 of a, points. a bit of a slow start, but then they bent, went past Collingwood, got 20 points in front, and it looked like Collingwood were done. But as we've seen through this season, um, a nine-game winning streak, they just find ways to get themselves back in games. And that is a that is a real strength. That's not luck. That's not, um, oh, you know, it just it happens to happen. That's mental. Yeah, it's mental. It's a mental capacity to, to grind yourself back into games, to take your opportunities, which they did all of that. They had a couple of set shots late that, um, I can't remember the bloke's name, uh, newer player who was the sub, came on, kicked a really a difficult shot, 45 out, nailed it. And then, of course, um, uh, Jeremy Howe gets the ball late in the game. Um, there's two on one in the back 50, He's trying to transition the ball out, tired, fatigued, slipped over on the slippery MCG service, got done holding the ball, and Essendon has a chance to go ahead. Harry Jones. Harry Jones to ice the game, hits the post. It never looked like going in. No, it was always going left, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But here's the question. Now, Collingwood would talk them up, but with how long left in the game at this stage? 40, 40 seconds. 40 seconds. How many times do clubs train specifically on defending your uh, lead with 40 seconds from a kick-in. And and look like Essendon, uh, inexplicably, unable to execute what would have been drilled into them, I'm assuming, during many training sessions. Or am I, is that not a focus? No, you're 100% right. And not even to save a game, just kick-in structures. You can't have blokes running around by themselves. So Scott Pendlebury actually took the kick-in. I don't know if you saw that, which he's been playing back line, but a lot of midfield too. So they got their smartest, best ball user, um, I don't know if he was there to do a big torp down the middle because usually that's what happens in that scenario. But he chipped it out wide to Darcy Moore, who was kind of breaking. I think it was just a heads-up play by Collingwood, which then made it a quicker play. Essendon would have been set up for down the middle of the ground, but they actually took it around wide on the wing, big wings of the MCG. Set play then, you're saying? Uh, in that sense? No. No, it was a, it was a Scott Pendlebury Ad living? Yep, yep. He saw... He saw three players ahead of time. Not unusual. Yeah, correct. Jamie Allett ends up two-on-one inside 50 on the junction. If you're going to give up a mark for Essendon, that's where you want it to be, right where it was. He's not kicking that goal. Goes back. Uh, just uh, I, I, I sort of goosebumps sort of stuff. Goes back. And, and um, as opposed to Harry Jones... This kick never looked like missing. Well, I've seen some great goals in similar situations. Um, Robbie Gray at the Gabba to beat Carlton for Port Adelaide. That qualifies. Your mate Dom Sheed, uh, obviously. There's these types of moments that, I guess, for Elliot, puts him uh, in rarefied air. It wasn't a final, but it was an atmosphere like it and a big result for Collingwood. Collingwood, Essendon at the G, um, right in the boundary as well. Gave Gave a bit of a... Bit of an ear to the crowd too. It was just that, yeah, that sort of look. Yeah. Of, oh, I loved it because he didn't overreact. Just and they came from everywhere. There's real. some vision I saw just outside the boundary line uh, on on Twitter last night. It was terrific, and it shows you this final series in brief: Collingwood, Carlton, Geelong, Melbourne. MCG, gee, great to have footy back at uh, the home. Well, we've got a bit over time here. Give us a little bit of Southern River Band here on the F- Shelter Footy Cast, Charlie. Shelter, XPA, X Factor. <clears throat> we had Fremantle take Richmond all the way. I don't think they played that well. So I think I think the West Coast Eagles, there was a man there, an X Factor, someone who performed in a position that they don't usually perform in. You watch this game. Who are we giving it to this week? No, well, we know that it's a bit like in a, in a rock band. It's a, the drummer in defence just going about his business quietly. It's always the lead singer, gets the kudos, gets the bouquets, gets, the, gets the girls. 
this time, Joshy Rotham, yes. who gets the opportunity to, to pinch hit in the ruck, but goes forward and kicks a couple of goals. So Josh Rotham is our Shelter XPA X-Factor Player of the Week. Congratulations to Josh. We'll make sure we get some uh, Coley's your way. A little bit of merch. Nice little slab coming out. Make sure you send your regional footy stories through. Martin LaCroix kicked 15 last weekend. After <laughs> chat. You remember how he told us he'd do that? Yeah. He did that. I'm going to have to follow up with him, see how many kicked this week. If you see anything that happens in regional footy, let us know. Shelter Footycast on socials. Or you can send us an email. Footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. Uh, that's about all done and dusted for us, Skate. If you listen to us on a podcast, you can watch us on YouTube. If you are watching us, you can listen to us on a podcast. You got anything to finish us off for, mate? Now, Thursday, can't wait. And uh, it's the eve of the big game between Fremantle and Melbourne. So uh, they reckon the Festival of Footy was last weekend. We've got a bit of it happening on uh, Friday night. It could decide where Fremantle finished, top four or not. If you want to wear something to that game, Fremantle, Melbourne, I reckon there's a bit of Flagmantle merch sitting around on the Backchat website, backchatpodcast.com.au forward slash merch. Yes, that's right, Mark Reddings. Yes, we're plugging the shit out of that. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.